Hello everyone, welcome to the 351st episode of Constructed Criticism. I am your Viking host, Mason, joined by my Valkyrie co-host, Allison. Allison, how you doing? Am I in trouble? No. Oh, I, I called you on your phone. Yeah, well, the, the trouble is is that uh, I've been seeing you get pretty hyped for Caldheim. We have to wait a week, so. It's pretty, oh, okay. Uh, I, I need to calm down the hype. You need to calm down the hype just a little bit. I know it's exciting. I know you want to talk all about Tybalt and just how handsome he is. Can we talk about that for a second? I guess we'll talk about when the card comes up. They gave him a, they, they made Tybalt kind of hot. I'm just going to say it, you know? I'm confident. Yeah, that's actually one of our new categories is <laughs> Tybalt hot, hotness scale. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every time we try to come up with a fun category this week, how hot is Tybalt? Uh, oh my goodness. Well, that's for the patrons only, Allie. Uh, we we are doing the pick two uh, set review today, though, so we're going to hop into that in just one second. But if you want to support the show, you go to OasisGames.com, use code CCMTG at checkout to get 4% off every order, and use code Would That Be Good at checkout for 15% off your first order. And then you can also go to Patreon.com slash CCMTG, where you can be a patron of the show. Normally, you get to ask a Patreon question during the set reviews. We figure it's always set review time, so, like, people want to hear about cards, so we, we just don't do one on that week. Um, but, you know, you get to do that, you get to have conversations. This week, uh, one of the things that went on in the Discord was, like, people asked, like, if we banned, un- I'm sorry, we unbanned Splinter Twin, because, Ali, I don't know if you know this, but this was the five-year five, week, five year anniversary of Splinter Twin this week um, being banned, if it oh, would fix no. modern. Yeah, it's a, it's a solemn day for everyone. Um, but there, someone was like, well, would this, like, help with the Uro Omnath problem? And we kind of had a conversation, and we kind of landed on maybe it would actually hurt the other decks in the format, like Hammer Time, that are trying to beat Uro and Omnath, and it's just actually too many angles for them. So, got a lot of cool things going on there if you want to support the show like that. But, let's hop right into the Kaldheim Pick 2 set review. If you've never listened to Constructive Criticism before, we're glad to have you. The way we do our set review is a little different than every other show. We have five categories, and we pick two cards each per category. So it's still like a top ten list, but instead of having to be like, this is number ten, number nine, and that means we're kind of hopeful that they'll be good, and no one's really talking about these cards, and like you have to figure out the subcontext, or we have to like explain it to you, we just pick categories and talk about like two cards for that that way it frames a better context for you and actually allows us to talk about cards that maybe we would actually miss if we were trying to do like the 10 most efficient cards in Kaldheim. Number 10, one mana kill spell. You know, like th- those sort of things just kind of ruin it. And so we get to talk about a lot of cool things. So for today's five categories, we have Sleeper, cards we're hyped to play with, Double Face card, Hopeful, and Hit. And I will say a little bit about each of those sections as we hop into it. But Allie, would you like to start us off with your Sleepers? Uh, sure. I'm actually going to surprise a ton of people by having a lot of white cards on my list today. The white cards seem really good in this set. Yeah, yeah. I I normally don't like white, and there's the whole white sucks meme, but I, I like a lot of these cards, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first sleeper is Starnheim Unleashed. It's two white-white sorcery. Create a 4-4 white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance. If the spell was foretold, create X of those instead. And the foretell cost is XX white. Right. 
Uh, we tell them what Fertel is real quick before we go forward, just because people might not know what that mechanic is that they've been kind of trying to stay low on uh, spoilers. Yeah, so Fortel is a new Kaldheim mechanic, and it's uh, during your turn you may pay two and exile this card from your hand face down. Uh, cast it on a later turn for its Fortel cost. So on your like turn two, you can pay two mana and just uh, sneak this on the side of your battlefield and then play it later when you have just a, an absurd amount of mana and make a million angels. Yeah. Yeah, the, the weird part is it's face down, kind of like a morph. So you would know, but your opponent will not know, which is kind of a, of a cool sub game. So are, are you hyped for this card? Do you think it's like the next Entreat the Angels? Is that, is that where the hype's coming from? What are you wanting to do with this? Yeah, that was kind of um, my thought, especially when I saw the like actual foretell cost of like XX White. It was mm -hmm. very like familiar to that. Um, I, I, I just think the foretell mechanic overall is really good and probably really powerful it seems just like awesome to kind of save these spells for later and be able to like cast them for cheaper or like this card cast it uh like for an x cost so you can add something cool to the original like sorcery part of the card and uh yeah I am mostly excited for this in historic, but I could still also see this being really cool in standard as well. Are you want, what are you wanting to do with it in historic, like Lotus Field stuff, or my, my like first thought was like, oh, like Azorius Control, like probably needed like something like this, like one or two copies of this. I know they have Amaria's uh, something from Zendikar. I believe is it. Yeah, yeah, that one. Like, there are, already have this one, but something like this um, seemed really cool in that deck when there's often not a whole lot you want to do on turn two anyway. Just, like, something to be mana efficient on each one of your turns sounded, like, cool to me. And then, of course, the Lotus Field decks, like you said, I think those decks get a lot better with all these foretell cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's like very... Like a million angels with your four Lotus Fields in play. Yeah, and it works so nicely in the curve too, right? It's like if you play Lotus Field, you're like normally on the if you're doing it on curve, you're not gonna have many plays where you're able to hold up mana. So the foretell kind of works like just like okay, I'll you know spend my two mana, set a set a card face down, and now I'll have three mana set up with this Lotus Field next turn go. And that's assuming you don't have the Blood Sun to cheat out the Lotus Field, right? Where then it's just insane. Or it's just like, yeah, I got to foretell this thing for free. I still have like five mana up on turn, you know, four or whatever. It's just absurd. <laughs> yeah, it's just like super good in that deck too, because there's not often like a, a actual like turn to play you realistically have, or if you are casting like or playing a fair Lotus Field and just like get rid of two mana, you really want to do something with your two mana. So yeah. And also, you can foretell something. A hundred percent, yeah. And like, heaven forbid your deck plays other foretell cards they have to think about, right? Like, there's a wrath, there's a draw spell, there's a counter spell. There's a bunch of there's creatures that are foretold as well that have flash. Um, I think there's only actually one that has flash, but either way, th th there's a lot of things for them to think about. And if your deck can afford to play any of the other ones, that instantly becomes really scary, you know, <laughs> in certain situations. And I think the front half of this card is, like, I wouldn't put that in my deck, but four mana for a 4-4 four four is pretty good. Like, if Questing Beast is going to come down, or maybe you're just, like, cold to a Questing Beast, right? Like, 
you'd probably just spend the mana to not die. <laughs> you know, so I, I think this card's pretty cool. What's your yeah, other card? Yeah, I, I really like it. Um, my other card, I think this is another white card. It was. Rally the Ranks. It's one and a white enchantment. As Rally the Ranks enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. Um, I just know in the past, a lot of these kind of anthem enchantments have been relatively strong in standard. And I think the cool part about this is, like, one, choosing the creature type. And then if there ends up being a mirror situation, your creatures just end up winning because it's the creatures you control of the chosen type. So I thought that was really cool and something that I hadn't really seen before. Mm. Yeah, it, it that is a super interesting card in limited and it's like really interesting constructed where how can we get types to overlap or where can i find the thing like i, I want to play a warrior's deck right like what warrior can i get to fill this role so that it does benefit from this and then weird things like shapeshift can come up right where it's like oh yeah i like accidentally took your creature it turned out as a shapeshifter right now it just gets plus one plus one it's just cool just efficient too it's just nice yeah, I know it's not the most, like, flashy card, but I've definitely just, like, haven't heard a lot of discussion around it, and it definitely seems like it can be a contender in any kind of format, really, if you're trying to do, like, some kind of tribal thing. Yeah, I, I think these effects often don't get a lot of hype, um, rightfully so. Well, like, maybe not rightfully so, but, like, understandably, right? Because it's like, oh, okay, I put this in my, like, deck that attacks people. Cool. And like it doesn't like in, like uh, induce a lot of thought um, outside of that, but I, I think these effects are normally pretty good. And to what you said about like people not really talking about, it, there's like a lot of really good white cards in Kaldheim, just like we mentioned before, and a lot of them are warriors actually. Like if you go and look at it, I'm gonna talk about three different white cards that until I actually started looking to build decks for Card Kingdom, I didn't realize they were all warriors, and they were cards I wanted to put in my deck. So it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to play all these cards that are Warriors, and I have some other aggressive cards that are Warriors from other sets, like Season Hollow Blade, for example, like, well, maybe I just want this because I have, like, an indestructible 4-2 now, right? It's just like, oh, this is the sort of thing that, like, I get to randomly play on my deck, and it helps, and helps do what my deck wants to do anyways. So I, I think it's cool, even if it doesn't get, you know, a 900-word thesis on how it's going to change magic. Um, yeah. That's why it's a sleeper. Exactly. A big shh. Well, I'm going to start with my first sleeper. Um, and it's actually a card that I think works perfectly with this. And we didn't set this up. It's so good how it works out. Uh, Usher the Fallen. It's white for a creature spirit warrior 2-1. And it has boast. One in a white. And if you pay that cost, you create a white 1-1 human warrior creature token. And so the way boast works is you can activate this ability only if you've attacked this turn and only once per turn. So... It's kind of like, okay, tap this creature, you know, and then you can use its ability. But it has to specifically attack. You can't actually just tap it. Um, and I, I think this card is, like, not the most exciting card in the world. Just kind of like like your Legion's card as well. Or, sorry, Rally the Ranks. I always call it Legion the Ranks, which is just not a, a, not, like not a sensical name. Uh, but either way, uh, it just goes with that sort of deck, right? Like, well, this card will provide an army on its own. And White hasn't really had any, many good aggressively like uh offensive cards recently they've had a lot of weird things like 
giant killer and selfless savior that are good white one drops and like you're happy to kind of have those and have access to them but they're more defensive and reactionary right and this order card says attack and hey if you're flooding out i got you if you need you know to fill some extra mana i got you and so i, I think this card's good enough to like you know if there is like a white aggro deck in historic as well i could go back to there but i think it opens the door for something constructed as well yeah i know a lot of people have been kind of itching to find the uh mono white deck again that was really popular in uh like guilds of ravnica standard mm -hmm. and two one boast very cool yeah. I, I i like this card too yeah a little a little sleeper not not gonna you know be the coolest person at the party but you know they're gonna bring it uh this card though i i feel like no one's really talking about this card publicly but then i see a lot of deck lists shared about this card in like dms so I don't know if this is like we got the hot secret that no one wants you to know, you know. But go yeah. <laughs> I, I currently have messages on my Discord about deck lists including this card, so I think that's a good uh it's a good snipe Mason. Yeah. We're gonna let the people know. You know, deck builders hate for us to tell you this secret card. Uh, Goldspan Dragon. So it's three red red for a creature dragon, four four. It has flying in haste. And whenever Goldspan Dragon attacks or becomes the target of a spell, create a treasure token. And then it has treasures you control, have tap, sacrifice this artifact, add two mana of any one color. Um, so I heard an interesting comparison of this card as fair Nissa who shakes the world when it comes to the mana half, right? Like you, you play this card and you will almost always get two mana. There are very few things that can kill this. Uh, once it hits the battlefield, it will not get you your two mana. And then you can play things like Negate or whatever along with this card. And, like, you can kind of play a Protect the Queen strategy while also having ways to go over the top with, like, you know, you use Gadwick or whatever. But basically, the card actually opens up having a bunch of mana uh, on the turn that you play and able to protect it. And then the following turns, it really starts to get out of hand. And it also has a weird thing where if it becomes a target of a spell, uh, like... It doesn't say your opponent's spells, so if you want to get weird with it, you can, like, target it with things that you could pick back up again. Like, if there's an escape card that's, like, a pump spell, you could do that sort of thing, right? And there's a lot of weird things that come up uh, along those lines that you can do with Goldspan Dragon. And I, I think it's just a really weirdly strong card. Yeah, I really want to play this, like, before turn five. I'm just trying to think of, like, is there any kind of ramp cards left in standard or or legal or anything can we can we, can we play this sooner than turn five because i really like that so th there are there are two so one is iron crag feet so you're cheating one mana right but the, in theory like maybe your deck wants to play iron crag feet already like maybe you'd play ugin or something so you could benefit from extra mana as well and you're less trying to protect the dragon and then there's a new card called clear the pathway which adds two mana of two different colors to your mana pool for three or it can plus one plus zero your team. Uh, so those are the only rituals we really have. Like if you want to stay like predominantly red as a deck. But I think you could still like, if you want to be like a, like a gruel deck or whatever, right? That's like trying to be a little bit bigger. There's still like random elves that you could play. Random, like I think we have um, Cultivate still in standard. Even though it hasn't seen that much play in the format. So I think there are definitely ways to get to this card. And actually now that we're saying that, Cultivate... Uh, this thing attacks the next turn you have Genesis Ultimatum before combat. It's pretty good. Oh. 
sounds like, like you love that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. Girl, like ramp or like stuff like that has never been like my favorite archetype, but it's always been one I just enjoy to come back to at some point. So I, I dig that. That's cool. For sure. Yeah. I, I'm excited to play with this card, and I, th I think I like the way this card's going. Right, like when it comes to direction, it's strong. It like incentivizes you to build stuff, but it's not. It doesn't feel like Nissa who shakes the world that would just win the game on its own. You know, which is which is cool. Like that's kind of what I'm looking for. All right, our next section is hyped. These are cards that we are hyped about. We are excited to play with. We, we think they're just really cool or whatever. Maybe they're not the strongest cards in the world, but the cards we're hyped about. And Allie, take us away with your hype cards. So my first hype card is Mystic Reflection. So one and a blue. It's an instant. Choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. It's foretell for a blue mana and i don't know this card seems so unbelievably weird and can function in like so many different ways based on how you're trying to like play this card or what your deck looks like or how you're trying to interact with your opponent and i i don't even know where to start with this card but it makes me really hype just kind of thinking about what we can possibly do with this yeah, this thing's really cool. The, the coolest thing I've heard uh, when it comes to any format is this plus Avenger of Zendikar. You, like, you know, target, I, you know, the I dig that, yeah. And you get all the plants again. It's, it's, a, it's a Splinter Twin situation. Oh, wow. <laughs> Love Splinter Twin situations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. I, I, I'm trying to think of what in Historic, because Historic's got that big card pool. Makes is that just like infinite creatures? No, so the way it works is you'll get the first instance of tokens will all become Avengers, and all of the Avengers that are now tokens will make plant tokens for you, but they will not go off forever by the templating of that card. But you get, okay. like, I don't know, like, I don't know, if you have seven lands, you get eight Avengers into cars, and then seven of those makes more tokens, so you have 49 plant tokens, right? Just casually. <laughs> so it's like with the cast of, or play Avenger trigger on the stack do this they're all avengers and then they make plants yeah it'd be the same thing as if like, you played woe strider and responded to the the make a goat trigger then you'd have two woe striders that's so much value <laughs> yeah so i mean like that's i think where a lot of people's mind jump is like let's do something really stupid with this card and i'm all for it but i think oh, I, I don't want to, like, misread the card. It, it is a weird enter. card. <laughs> enter. So, like I, I, like, I can even see that as, like, your opponent is trying to cast something very scary. And you're like, oh, well, I don't want that to happen. So I can cast this. And now my opponent's Ugin enters as a uh, Woe Strider or something or whatever. Yeah, that would work. I just realized... I, I did the Woe Strider thing, but Woe Strider is like a perfect example. Like, no, I guess it's not a perfect example. 
Yeah, I guess, but you could, like, play Woe Strider, trigger on the stack, target your Mayhem Devil. Like, that's, like, a thing you could do. Love Grixis Sacrifice. <laughs> we get, then we can target our Nico Bolas Ravengers. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I, this... It's, uh, it's funny, I was, I was reading the card again, too, to make sure I had it right. It works with the Goldspan Dragon as well, because you would target it, the dragon, so you'd get two mana, so it's, like, free or whatever. And then you would get two dragons, which would, you know, obviously get out of hand pretty quickly, too. I wonder if there's something there where you can, like, you know, wombo combo, for lack of a better term. Yeah, so, I don't know. I'm hyped for this card, because it's really weird, and you can do a lot of probably really messed up stuff or protect yourself from your opponent doing something messed up, I suppose. But, oh yeah, I don't know if it fits anywhere specifically, but thinking about it, like, this card's just cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super cool. It's also a... you if, if your deck wants to play that and they can afford to play other foretell cards too, like maybe you're a control combo deck... That's a weird one to have access to in your, like, foretell zone, right? Where, like, that ability can come up to hurt your opponent in weird ways. And then they decide to play around, like, okay, well, what if my Vorinclex becomes a goat? Like, what do I do then? <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like, cool. What's your other card? All right. We got pyre is it pyre i don't know how to pronounce any of the cards in the set i believe that pyre is how you say pyre. of heroes yeah. just two generic mana it's an artifact and then you can pay two generic mana and tap it and sacrifice a creature search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with the sacrificed creature and has converted mana cost equal to one plus that creature's converted mana cost put that creature on the battlefield then search your library, active, or then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. So TLDR is just birthing pod, but for tribal synergies. And once again, I have no idea what this does in any capacity, in any, like, constructed format but i missed out on pod when it was legal and modern and i will not miss out on it again this card is really cool i'm sorry allison are you saying you're gonna play modern is that what you just said um i don't know about modern but mm, I had maybe <laughs> yeah I... oh you oh you can just like oh that requires you to have a five drop goblin to get muxus though i was like oh you can just tutor muxus well, you get Kiki Jiki. Oh, you, you mean in Historic. Sorry. I had a moment. Uh, oh, there's Siege Gang Commander, Allie. There you go. Yeah, I guess you can, like, roll up the chain, just play, like, one, so you can activate it again next turn to get, uh... Moxus. Yeah. yeah. My brain doesn't work this late at night, Mason. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, Siege Gang also is nice with the the tokens, right? So you have a residual body, and it's not like a bad card. If you if you want to go that route, where you should go that route, Siege Gang is probably the five drop of choice. Yeah, I'm not gonna attempt to say I know anything. I read that card, thought it's probably good enough for something. I'm gonna let someone figure out the tribe that you're supposed to go up the chain with, and I will net deck them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot to say on this card, unfortunately, except I'm sure that eventually this card will see play in something. It's just the way these things go. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, my my hype cards are definitely, I am not smart enough to figure this out right now, but I really, really hope someone else is and does, because these cards are, like, really cool. I don't know. I I enjoy them. Yeah, they, they are definitely dope. I am, I'm curious to see, uh, I forgot the name of the shark one, the mis- is Mystic something? The uh, Mystical Reflection? I'm, I'm excited to see what's Myst- yeah, Mystic Reflection. Mm, yeah, I'm excited to see what people do with that one. I uh, I have no clue. I'm sure people will just do something broken with Pyre. But I want to see the cool stuff. I love the cool broken things that are hopefully going to happen with these cards and then get brutally ripped away from me. Yep. Alright, so my first hype card is Vorinclex, Monstrous Raider. It's four green green for a legendary creature, Phyrexian Parator. It's six six with trample and haste, and it has some abilities. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna read the two abilities, and I'm gonna kind of say what they do again because I, I think it's a little confused at least the first time I read it. So the first ability is, if you would put one or more counters on a permanent or a player, put twice that many of each of those kind of counters on that permanent or player instead. So it's doubling season for like loyalty and stuff like that, infect, etc. Dope. The other mode is if an opponent would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, they put half the many of counters rounded down. So if you had a, let's say, a planeswalker and had a plus one, you would get the ability, but you would get no loyalty because one divided by two is zero. Or it's round, it rounds down because like, it can't round up. So you get you get no loyalty basically, and so like sagas don't work. Uh, like your opponent's great hinge won't put a counter on their creatures. It, I think it just is a card that has like a lot of stats and a lot of good things going, and has the potential to do some busted stuff, right? Because it is like a doubling season for planeswalkers. So like you can play this, play your Ugin, your Ugin ults, where your Nissa goes and grabs a bunch of lands, etc., etc. Um, and, like, the thing that I thought is best is the, well, one of the best is Guruk Wildspeaker, the four-mana one that's in standard. It goes up to eight, so it ults, and then every turn you can grab a creature, so your deck will always have a Vorinclex, because if they kill it, you just grab another one. So, you can do a lot of really cool things, and then incidentally, if you start looking at a game, specifically standard, there's a lot of random counters being added on things. And getting double that or negating theirs, I think, is really powerful. And you don't have to, like, go out of your way to do it. You know, like, if you have Wicked Wolf in your green deck that wants to play Vorinclex, seems reasonable. They're both, like, efficient green cards. Now your wolf's suddenly getting more counters for no reason. Or your escape cards, the counter rogues, are getting more counters. You know, and I, I think that sort of thing is close to being good enough while also being a Planeswalker hate piece. And if Planeswalkers get too strong, you're going to have Vorinclex to check them. So... I think this card yeah. is cool. I think this card is cool. I also just keep thinking about historic and there's so many like almost there counters decks and maybe this is something that can help kind of push that over the edge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it, I don't know how it works with winding constrictors and stuff, but I think like if you had that in your deck and you had one counter, I think the way it works is that you would get two because of Vorinclex and then the snake tries to put another one, but then Vorinclex doubles it, so you would get four counters, which is kind of sick. Uh, 
I love playing on Arena. It's going to do it all for me, so I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, Hardest Kills is one of the hardest decks in Magic until you play on Arena, and then suddenly all you have to do is count, right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I like that card a lot. Um, I think that one's really exciting. And then my other one is uh, Nico Aris, which is a new Planeswalker. Their, loyal, their, their casting cost, sorry, is X, white, blue, blue, with three loyalty. And Nico Aris has a passive ability that when you cast Nico Aris as it enters the battlefield, you create X shard tokens uh, equal to the X that you spent to cast Nico Aris. And a shard token is an enchantment that you sacrifice for, for paying two mana, and then you scry one, draw one. So you essentially pay for a clue, but the clue lets you scry first. Um, so I, I think that's pretty cool as like just a thing. But then where it gets kind of more interesting is Nico's plus ability to me. So Nico has a plus one of up to one target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. Whenever this creature deals damage, this turn will return it to its owner's hand. It has a minus one of deal two damage to tapped target creature for each card you've drawn this turn. And then has minus ones you can make another shard token. Um, when it comes to Nico Aris, to me, I think there's a lot of like focus and emphasis on like, oh, it's like another Sphinx's Revelation. That's what you're supposed to do with this card. And then like it plays in the battlefield and you kill something because you made all these shards. Uh, but I think that you want to play Nico in a deck that like can do that if the game goes long, but it has some way to abuse its plus one. And I, I think the answer to that is Yorion. <laughs> I, I think if you just have like one of these or two of these in your Yorion deck, uh, your deck will probably go long because Yorion decks typically do that sort of thing. And then anytime you get to cast Yorion in your Yorion decks, it's normally very good. So letting it like attack a Planeswalker because it's unblockable or nug them for four and then you get to blink everything is normally lights out. And that sort of thing is really, really strong in my opinion uh, as a plus for a Planeswalker, right? Like if this thing read deal four damage to your opponent, flicker all your permanents that you want to, you'd be very happy about that plus. So I, I think Nikaru specifically in a Yorion deck is going to be really strong and really good. Um, and I'm just I'm hyped to do that. I just think there's a lot of really cool things you can do there. And I imagine with this whole package, there's a lot more there. But that just that one interaction, I think, is enough to push this card into like the yo probably playable, gonna be kind of crazy when it happens. Uh, you don't... That's so gross. <laughs> I thought you I liked the Doom Mirrors. Do that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I honestly think at three mana, this card is like pretty close to playable like if if you can make the plus one matter and i also think that archon i think it's archon of sense grace the three four uh is pretty good at this as well because like while not as powerful as yorion just like give your creature vigilance hit their walker or make sure you hit them it's kind of good enough of the time so I, I don't know i i think on its base it's just strong right yeah i mean obviously to fairy time raveler is like a completely different and messed up card but like in the yorion thing you're often just like playing to fairy and bouncing your own uh yorion anyway just to like replay it so i i think even that plus one is just good enough yeah and heaven forbid you can like in the late game play it and you can get a couple shards right just to like have that lying around like if you're flooding out and you draw this card and you're like oh I'll spend four mana or whatever to play this. So it's, it's just even one more card, right? But then your Yorion goes off and it's just like, okay, 
we were top decking. I used all of my mana on turn 12, whatever, when we were both top decking, and I redid all my things. Like, I do not know how your opponents are supposed to beat that ever. And that's, like, the way the Orion decks always lose, right? It's like they trade resources forever, and they just, like, hit too many lands, or, like, the opponent, you know, got their Ox of Agonis first or whatever. And this is just, like, a thing that stops you from dying in the early game and takes over in the late game. So, uh, seems good. I don't know. No one's talking about this card. It, it makes me feel like I'm a crazy person when I see no one talking about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't catch the uh, implications with Yorian. I like that a lot. Alright, well, let's move on to the double face cards. Uh, this is just a section all about double face cards. Sometimes we like to have one that's specific to a set um, or something along those natures. And I'll take the lead here, Alex, since you've been uh, the one firing else everything else off for us and my first double face card uh is uh, i hope i'm gonna say this right redain god of the worthy it's two and a white for a legendary creature god it has flying and vigilant vigilance sorry and has snow lands your opponent control end of the battlefield tapped non-creature spells your opponent casts with converted mana cost four or greater cost two more to cast as the front half then its back half is valkmir protector shield which I think I somehow butchered as well, despite knowing two of those words at least. Uh, and it's three and a white for a legendary artifact. And it says, if a source and opponent control would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, permit one of that damage. And whenever you or another permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability and opponent controls that payer, that player must spend one mana or counter that spell or ability. So it has like a Thalia type tax on the back that also, you know, reduces damage. And, I, I think what I, what I really like about the gods in general is that you can play a lot of the gods and you don't get punished for having all these legendary creatures in your deck, right? Because your second copy of a god, if your god's still on the board and you don't think it's going to die anytime soon, you can play as their artifact half on the back or the thing that kind of goes with them. So this one on the front half, I think, is A, a random snow hate piece, which I like because I hate that like it's optimal if this card didn't exist to play all snow basics. Um, so now there's reasons to not play snow basics because this card might be in your opponent's deck and suddenly you're playing off curve. Um, but also it's other ability of non-creature spells that cost four or more costing two more is pretty huge. Actually. I, I think a lot of the times you forget how good those taxing effects are until the moment that they really, really matter. And I think the card on rate, just kind of like from there is pretty close to good. And then you have this fail safe of like, okay, on the back half, my opponents are going to do less damage. I have to spend more mana to cast their spells that target me, etc., etc. And I think one damage getting taken away seems like not a lot until suddenly you think about, okay, what if all my creatures had one less power? How much would that matter? And, and I think a lot of decks it would matter a lot. So I'm kind of a believer in this card. Don't don't uh neutralize my mayhem devil pings please oh yeah it does stop all the mayhem devil pings right because you'd have to pay <laughs> you have to pay one so they do zero damage <laughs> that's kind of funny i didn't think about that <laughs> oh that's really See, this funny. is why this is a great podcast you think about standard and i think about historic yeah yeah and i mean there's a lot of things in historic that cost four more like even just your opponent's collective company, right? Like, in an aggressive mirror. Or their Ember Cleave. Like, making that cost two more. It's kind of huge. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, like, you could probably find, like, clips of all the times I've tried to, like, cast something and them being like, oh, wait. 
ECD chapter two just went off. This ruined my whole turn. <laughs> and that's just like always though for a four or greater. Yeah. Yeah. It seems just strong to me and it has like a an eh body. It's nothing that you're gonna write home about, but you know, flying and vigilance, that's two good keywords to have as a, like a combo. So it's gonna lock down the skies most of the time in the early game as well, which is cool. Um next I mentioned him at the start of the podcast. It's Valky, the God of Lies. Uh, so Valky, God of Lies, is one of black for legendary creature God, which we actually mentioned on the podcast last week. Uh, when Valky enters the battlefield, each opponent re uh, reveals their hand. For each opponent, exile a creature card. They revealed the, this way until Valky leaves, and then you can spend X mana, choose a creature card, exiled with Valky's ability with converted mana cost X. Valky becomes a copy of that card. And then you can have the backside of Valky, which is Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter. For five red-black, you get a legendary planeswalker, Tybalt, that has the passive of, as Tybalt enters the battlefield, you get an emblem. You may play cards exile Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter uh, abilities as though they were mana of any color. So you can cast any spells that your Tybalt will exile from your opponents for the rest of the game as long as you control Tybalt. Uh, you plus two to exile the top card of each player's library. You minus three, exile target artifact or creature. And minus eight, Exile all cards from all graveyards. Add red, red, red to your mana pool. And then it has five loyalty. Um, I think this card's pretty strong before we even get into the Cascade part for Eternal Formats, which I'll get to in one second. We mentioned this in the podcast last week, but I think it's just kind of good on raid on the front half of Valky, and then you get Tibble on the back for free when you flood out and your opponent has no hand, and you don't want to be doing that sort of thing. Uh, and then when it comes to Modern, for Jund you know, and Sultai, etc. Uh, the fact that you can cast your Bloodbright Elves or, you know, whatever Cascade spell you want to play, and you can hit Valky, but then cast Tybalt, I think is a pretty huge play. Uh, whether Valky is good enough for base modern, I don't know, but I know base modern has a lot of creatures you actually wouldn't mind getting rid of, including Uro, which is kind of a hate card too. So I, I could actually see this card making a splash in modern, at least as long as Uro is around. Yeah, I am so excited to uh, take an Uro with this card. This was also one of my uh, picks for the double face cards. Mm -hmm. This this card makes me really happy. I wrote about it a lot this week. Ooh, where can they find that? Uh, similar to where the Mason Clark writes, I also write for Card Kingdom, and my article is focusing on five cards I like for Historic, which will be out on Friday. You love to hear. I don't it. know when the podcast is coming out, so maybe it's, that's in the future. Maybe it's in the past. It's probably coming out late tonight, the time which we're recording this, which is Wednesday. But I did work eleven hours at work today before coming home, so it might come out Thursday night, which would be tomorrow Ooh. for them. So soon, okay, still in the future. <laughs> yeah, soon. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Do you have anything else you want to say? Because, like you said, Valky was one of your cards, so I'm going to kind of let you pick up from there on your last double face card or finish anything with Valky. I, I, I think it's going to see modern play. Um, whether it will stick around after seeing some light modern play is the question. Yeah, uh, the the Bloodbraid Elf thing is very enticing to me in, like, modern or eternal formats. Um, I am also just excited for it in Historic because we also have an Uro problem there. So I I really just want to take an Uro with this card, and I'm very excited. And then I think specifically if you look at, like, Sacrifice decks in Historic that can actually, like, 
cast Tibble as well if it gets to like turn seven or whatever and you have all the mana then it's kind of like a eh, why not this is just something we can do if uh, our opponent is empty handed and casting Valky is no longer good that's true I, I didn't think about I didn't think about the sacrifice mirror until you started talking more about red black but I cannot imagine turn two take my opponent's mayhem devil uh, like that's re- like that's really good Nahum I Devil have is a Mayhem it, Devil now. Yeah, it, the thing you don't want in the mirror is to have your opponent play a Mayhem Devil, and normally you kill Mayhem Devils with like your claim the Firstborns or your Devils trading. So heaven forbid that you have to use one of your Devils to get your Devil back. Like that seems miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oof, that's heavy. That's heavy. Um. All right. So what's your other double face card? Backing out my second double face card. Oh, I clicked the wrong thing. No, come back. Okay. Uh, Isika, God of the Tree. Of one green green. She's a god creature. With a vigilance, you can tap and add one mana of any color. Other legendary creatures you control have vigilance and tap add one mana of any color. And then the back half is the Prismatic Bridge with really pretty art. And it's white, blue, black, red, green. Legendary enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature or planeswalker card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This is kind of another one where I don't know where I'm actually going to play this card. But I love doing things at random, and I love five-color nonsense sometimes. So I feel like there's a bunch of decks that already are doing, like, the five-color Niv-Mizzet thing. So this just seems like a cool addition. can flip into free spells. I love free spells, Mason. If it's free, it's you. Yeah? Did that was that was that clever enough for you? Alright, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, I Oh my I was... god, Mason, you're so funny. Thanks. I love the script. Um <laughs> anyways, yeah, I think that card's pretty cool. I have no clue what to that's one of those cards which just like there are so many options that I'm gonna let someone else figure it out and then I will have my fun with that card, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think this this has been the first set in a while where, like, all the cards are really cool, but I have no idea what to do with them. Yeah, they're all they're all very interesting cards, and the fact that so many of the high-rarity cards are double-faced this time, but instead of being lands, which was just, like, a good rate thing last time, they all have words now and do things, makes it yeah. so much harder. And they kind of knew, so they kind of made all the things contextual. So it's like I have no clue what. Like, oh, no. it, it it is just beyond reason. I, I, it's bizarre. Um, I, I, I'm tr- I'm literally trying to think of like a, a use case example of that card, where like you would like cascade into something because that's essentially what it's doing, right? It's like cascade towards a legendary thing, and there are so many things, and I, I don't know, like it necessarily shakes the world. That's probably good enough. I don't know. You got other stuff in your deck that you Get can do. Get Niv Mizzet. Oh, yeah. That's what I should do with it. 
that's actually just good enough, right? Like, if you play it for the Niv-Mizzet half, it hits, like, Niv-Mizzet wherever your walker is, or I guess an Oath of Kaya, and then the front half lets you cast Niv-Mizzet. That's probably just what you're supposed to do with it. Like, that's, like, the easy thing, at least. That's insane. Yeah. Well, okay, so reveal creature or planeswalker. So, I mean, that's either, like, really just hitting itself or Niv-Mizzet in a lot of those decks, or, like, another ramp creature, I suppose, but... Or Oath of Kaya. Oath's legendary. There you go. <laughs> hey. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock an Oath of Kaya. Like an Oath of Kaya. Uh is there anything else you want to say about this card before we move on to our hopeful cards? Uh it's weird. Someone please figure out what to do with it. That's right. I want to cast it. Well, there we go. Uh <laughs> let's move on to our hopefuls. Um and Ali, you can sort us off here with our hopefuls but for those at home hopefuls are cards that we think are really close to like getting there in constructed and we really want them to but it's not like a hit like a hit which is our last category our cards we are almost positive are going to see play and make an impact in formats or do something but a hopeful is one that we really want it to and it probably will but we just don't have it quite there yet and it could miss so ali what do you have um, uh, my first one is King Nerfy's Betrayal. It's one blue-black saga. Uh, chapter one is each player mills four cards. Then you may exile a creature or planeswalker card from each graveyard. And then two and three are until end of turn, you may cast spells from among the cards exiled with King Nerfy's Betrayal. And you may spend mana as though it were any color to cast those spells. Um, so... I guess to me, this card is really cool, and I really like the idea of playing this in, that's right, Yorion decks, because I have a Yorion problem now and a Doom Foretold problem, and I love sagas, and it's it's okay. But I think that this is hopeful for me, because I can see a lot of situations where like, you kind of have to rely on um your opponent having like a creature or planeswalker in your de- in their deck that is um worth casting i guess especially when you are pretty low on creatures and planeswalkers yourself in kind of the yorion decks you're a lot of just enchantments for the most part outside of yorion so i can also just see this whiffing and ending very terribly if your opponent's deck is not good enough yeah i do like that it has each player mill four but it doesn't have to be from the milled cards right it's not like and pick one of those cards so you could like be like oh i really need that you know valky or whatever you know doom blade it play this all right next turn i'm valkying you know um and with, with by the way with the the gods i believe how it works is you would be able to cast the back half once they've been selected so that is some extra wombo combo potential. Yeah, so that's really cool. Maybe rogues can play it and do more of the Zerif Son thing without committing to a five drop. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. What's your other card? I don't have a lot to say on that one, by the way. I think you, you nailed it. <laughs> I, I thought that card was really cool. So I'm hopeful it does something because it's just cool. I love playing cool. I love playing my opponent's cards. That's one of my favorite things. That's why I love Hearthstone. 
It's because you get to play all your opponent's stuff. Yeah, and it's random. XD. <laughs> okay, my second hopeful. I'm not like too hopeful on this one, but I think it would be really cool if it did anything. It was Tybalt's Trickery, which is one and a red instant. <laughs> Counter target spell. Choose one, two, or three at random. Its controller mills that many cards, then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast that spell without paying its mana cost, then they put the exiled cards on the bottom of their library in any order. I am mistakenly hoping to put an Emrakul into play for three mana. <laughs> it's not good, but I want it so bad, Mason. I, I, uh, I find this card interesting in a lot of ways. It's cool to see how red would get a counter spell, right? Um, I, uh, this card is just so weird. It, it, <laughs> it like but that's because Tybalt's on it. That that's so true. Tybalt be crazy. I don't know. It, it's weird because like in older formats, like you can like cascade. You hit this. You counter your own cascade spell and you capture Emrakul, right? Like that. That's it. That's the deck. Your whole deck is this Emrakul and cascade. That's all you do. <laughs> but like those formats have so many cards that are so good at stopping them. But I still see people excited to go, and if there's a will, there's a way. So it's interesting. I, I don't know. I guess in a way, it helps protect itself from some of those if you have enough mana to hold up the second Tybalt's Trickery. So. I don't know. Do you have anything you want to do with this in Historic? Do you have any, like, is there anything Cascadian and Historic that you could do it with? Um... I I could like maybe see it in um some of like the Lotus Field decks too, just because you have access to so much mana and you can I don't know cascade into something cool. Sure, yeah, all right. Well, okay, that was pretty. I don't have anything else to say on Tybalt's trickery. <laughs> I how I, dare you not be hopeful for this card, Mason? I I just think about force and negation, and I think about like. Oh, you know, Teferi 3, and it says you may cast the card, so, like, I am I can't even cast it because of Teferi 3 because it's so much fun as a magic card, so. See, this is why I play Historic. <laughs> I will say having to play against Teferi 3 does make me question the amount of modern I play, but, uh, you know, whatever. Not the end of the world. All right, well, Allie is playing with red cards that don't do anything, and they're XD, random, hee hee. Uh, I, I'm over here, I complete another Chad with Arnie Broken Brow. Two and a red, legendary creature, human, berserker, 3-3. Three, three. Has haste, and has boast for one. You may change Arnie Broken, Bow's, <laughs> Broken Brow's uh, base power to one plus the greatest power among other creatures you control until the end of turn. So, Arnie Broken Brow uh, it works very nice with the Home Slice Annex. Because Annex is big, and then Arnie Broken Brow will be big. And then Rimrock Knight makes your other creatures big. And then Arnie also gets a buff. And then Bonecrusher Giant's bigger than Arnie, and now Arnie's attacking for five. And so, I think this card is like a good couple slots in a red deck. Red really needs some help in standard as being a, a solo 
color. Right now, it's kind of relegated to always being a backup color, specifically for Gruel. And I, I think Arnie Broken Brow is just kind of like a absolute Chad. It's gonna, it's gonna destroy some people. Look at Mason talking about real cards and not Tybalt cards. <laughs> Mason hates fun. Arnie Broken Brow is a fun time. You ever Rimrock Knight your annex? And then attack with Arnie Broken Brow, and now your annex is like a nine, but your Arnie's a ten. And then you Ember Cleave. Pew pew. Beep beep. Pew pew. And the annex is bigger because you Ember Cleaved, and then Arnie's bigger. Anyways, Resplendent Marshal's my other card. <laughs> One white white for a creature angel warrior. It has flying, and it's a three three. When Resplendent Marshal enters the battlefield or dies. You may exile another creature card from your graveyard. When you do, put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control other than Resplendent Marshal that shares a creature type with the exiled card. So uh, the easy spot to put this would be Warriors and Angels because this card's a Warrior and an Angel. And in theory, some of these will die and use the other ones to fuel it. But it is a like anthem effect for any tribal deck that plays white. Um, you just have to have you know some creature type that they all share so you can buff them up. And I, I do think this card is really, really close, if not there, in Standard Warriors. I think um, Warriors is a archetype that has a lot of support, goes kind of wide. Uh, one of the cards I think really makes this doable is Season Hollow Blade, uh, which if you don't know off the top of your head is 1-white for a 3-1. And uh, you may give it Indestructible by discarding a card and tap it. So a lot of the times what happens is you, know, you attack and then they try and block and you discard a card and it becomes Indestructible. Um, so... Resplendent, Resplendent Marshal, sorry. I, I think works well with that card. I think a lot of the times you can, you know, your opponent's going to try and kill it, or you can maybe block, you know, or hold something back, or heck, even just discard a card to buff your team on board, right? Like, if I have two Resplendent Marshals, they're both not going to do anything until they die, which we'll talk about in a second, so I might as well get rid of one of them so I can get the power now and not later. And then it also has when it dies, and since it's a 3-3, if I play it on three and I don't get any triggers, it is a really big body, and my opponent has to kill it last, else I will, you know, buff my team up. So, um, yeah, I, I think this card is just kind of really close to being there. I agree. This card's really cool. It's a lot of text to put counters on things, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, I think Conclave Mentor is another card that I believe is really close. And while the Mentor, I think, is just a Centaur or something like that, so it doesn't show the Warrior type. There could be some really cool stuff with that in standard. So, uh, I think keep your eye on this card. I think I think this card is like as good as Unbreakable Formation with much higher ceiling most of the time. So, Resplendent Marshal. All right, Allie. That's going to segue us to our hits. Our hits are our cards that we think are going to be big players in a format. They're going to do something for sure. Maybe even define a format. And I'll start us off uh, with... One of my favorite cards from the set, if not my favorite, uh, I just love this card so much. It's Sigrid, God Favored. It's one white, white, legendary creature, human warrior, 2-2. Two, two. It has flash, and it has first strike and protection from gods, which is uh, weird because uh, she's God Favored. I don't, I don't understand it. Either way, when Sigrid uh, enters the battlefield, exile up to one attacking or blocking creature until Sigrid leaves the battlefield. So... I think in like a white base aggressive deck, this is a card that you could kind of just play 
and it was going to help you swing combats or whatever, and it's, like, got a pretty good body and allows you to, like, hold up mana against Wrath as a white deck, which is something you can't normally do, and then flash this in. Um, against, like, Gruul decks, if your opponent tries to Ember Cleave you, you get to eat it. If your opponent attacks all out, and they have, like, maybe, you know, any creature with toughness 2 or less, you can flash this in, exile the other creature, and get a cling 2 for one with a block. And I, I think all of that is enough to have this card just be a solid card. They'll see a lot of play in mid-range where controlling-based white decks. Uh, I think that's where it's best. But it also randomly has protection from gods. Some of the gods look to be close enough. And if you randomly get to high roll that in a match when you have a card you're already happy about, I think we have a recipe for a really powerful card. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think the white cards are actually really good in the set. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they're they're trying to juice them up a little bit, and I, I think this card's just strong. Like, I imagine a lot of the times your Gruul opponent attacking, right? And it's like, okay, so I have Embercleave in my hand, my opponent has the mana up, right? And let's say they're a white mid-rangey deck that we know has Sigrid, right? We're commonly has Sigrid. I, I have to move the combat first, and I have to Embercleave before they're going to exile the creature that Embercleaves. And then, if they decide to, like, Sigrid... Right, I have to respond with my Ember Cleave, and I have to put it on my weaker creature now. So, like, if I had like a bunch of creatures attacking, right? Like, let's say there were three, then they're gonna probably exile my Lovestruck Beast, so I, I can't Ember Cleave the Lovestruck Beast. And then I have these other two weaker creatures, and so my creature will probably trade with Sigrid, but that's still just like a lot of tempo gained, right? Like, if you play that, you're basically blanking your opponent's combat set for the most part, and now they have to like work on moving this Ember Cleave around. And that can be really costly since Gruul is such a trying to be trying to be such a deck that's so efficient in curving out. And so I think about that play pattern, I think that's really strong. Its only real weakness is that it dies to Bonecrusher Giant. But even like against rogues, right? Like it eats all the rogues in combat um, that are on the ground, and it eats Dolores, and then it does exile it, right? So like maybe your deck doesn't have a clean answer to flyers, suddenly the Soaring Thought Thief it mills you for two and then it's exiled for a while. And now they have to play kind of off curve to get this card off the battlefield and i think it's just strong i don't know it's just good it just seems like a good card i would register that card you love to hear it you really do hey it works with the doom foretold too right in your upkeep flash her in sacrifice it i know you love it now you're a big doom foretold year told her yeah this this set makes me really excited for yorian on and doom foretold <laughs> yeah i guess Oh, can you, I, I didn't read the card, hang on, I wonder can I exile my own, or is it only cards my opponent controls? Let me check again, because I could exile my own Yorion. When in this battlefield, exile up to one target attacking blood creature, uh, yeah, so you could exile your own Yorions. I didn't think about that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Yorion, Yorion. Sick. Alright, let's go. Uh, my other card is Joran, God of Winter. Two in a green, 3-3 three, three legendary snow creature god. When Joran attacks, untap each snow permanent you control. We'll get back to that in a second. And then we have the back half, which is Cauldring the Rhyme Staff, which is one blue black for a legendary snow artifact. And the artifact says you may tap it to put target snow permanent you control from your graveyard. Uh, sorry, so you can play target snow card from your graveyard this turn if you do an enter's tap. So it lets you cast something. Um, I think that back attack is really strong. And if your deck can play it and we end up having enough stuff going on then go for it uh but where i think this card is best is like a green base deck 
where we can play a bunch of force and we can use the jory on untap ability profitably and it, it does kind of ask to have other cards which i think traditionally it's kind of a yikes you know like if you're looking for just an inherently strong card something that needs a bunch of help isn't quite there but i think green base proactive decks just kind of want to use all their mana a lot of the time anyways and if you can play like jory on three play like a garuk wild speaker buff the jory and like attack and then untap and then even just play like a two drop right it's like maybe you play like an ooze or something i think that's really big you can gem racer your your joran so now it's a four four and now it's bigger can live and then you can untap your snowman to play another thing uh there's like the inscription which is the kicker pump spell so like you can make your joran bigger and have it punch something or you can primal might with joran and then main phase two play a creature i think there's just a lot of ways to actually push joran through and since joran doesn't need to live in order to actually like or sorry just need to connect or live to untap your snow permanence um it just needs to attack so you can do things like play vivian and then normally your vivian is locked into plusing right because it's very rare that you can play vivian and then be able to actually cast a spell to use the minus or the top ability from the static but now i can throw away my joran and untap my mana and i can you know i can go get another joran with the minus if i need to or i can like go get the scavenging use i really need or the the wicked wolf i really need or cast a creature that's on top of my deck get my kogula you know i think that sort of thing with joran is really really strong and all these green decks can thanks to gilded goose incidentally make balloon black mana and if you get to do that you just randomly have infinite jorans because of the back half so i I think this card is really strong and heaven forbid if we figure out how to make a multicolored deck work with joran because i imagine that would be very very strong (laughs) but i want to have this just be a wilderness reclamation in combat well that's what it do yeah yeah expansion explosion you yeah i i guess uh is there a pump spell that costs x that you, it's an instant because that would get the job done too yeah i don't know I, I i think this card's messed up that's all just with green you know if, if there's a way to like realistically get value from it even i i also just think the back half is probably a strong enough card on its own and if your blue and black deck just high rolls a triumph because you need more dual lands so we don't have a lot in standard, then when you randomly get Joran, I think that's also just like probably good enough. Just replay some snow threat you have a bunch of times. Mm. It's just good. Card's good. Yeah. Alright, Alan, what are your hits? Um, my first one is Doom Scar, which is three white white sorcery, destroy all creatures. But wait, there's more. You can foretell it for one white white. So essentially, it's a three mana board wipe. An unconditional board wipe. I think that's very good. Obviously, if you draw it on like turn four or whatever it's like pretty awkward but i don't know i just picture having like control deck or anything that just wants to have this board wipe it feels like it's just like an upgrade to most board wipes we have Mm -hmm. yeah it's just just good right like specifically for staring historic it's just like a good card it's gonna see play um like 
even if your opponent has a really good start and you spend turn two playing this and you have to spend turn three wrathing, I think that's really strong. And then I think when you get to like wrath on turn five, right, but you foretell it and then you're able to hold up mana, I think that play pattern is actually huge and not being talked about enough. Where I think a lot of decks, the way they beat control decks is they put pressure on board and then they diversify, right? And then once they're done diversifying, or if they can't diversify, they hold. And then they'll have like a questing beast or something to play post wrath as the way to put you on the back foot and then you never catch up right and it's just so hard for you to climb back in and doom scar is like all right you sent me spin a bit of mana now in the later turns you get to clear the board and answer their next threat and i think changing that paradigm puts a lot of pressure on the other players to figure out okay what do i do because that plan is really good and if you stop that plan like if they normally don't have the follow-up the control that can normally take over so I think Doomscar is really, really good. It's going to change the game in a lot of ways. Yeah. I also, going back to, like, the Lotus field deck in Historic, I think this card kind of just, like, seals up a lot of the holes that it had of dying too quickly or having your three-mana board wipes being, like, Sweltering Suns or Anger of the Gods just not being good enough where you can do the same thing. Or you can just, like, hide this away for later again. I really like the foretell cards in that deck specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then th there is the small thing, which we haven't really talked about much. And I do think it's being overhyped a little bit. But it does come in, especially in games where your opponent's lower on resources. And they, have a, they can't afford to make a mistake like this. But when you foretell a card, like we mentioned earlier, your opponent doesn't know, right? So maybe you played the counter spell. Maybe you played the draw spell. Maybe you played the wrath. Maybe you played the angel thing, right? And playing around all those cards can be kind of challenging. And if the deck can afford to play a couple of each of those, the opponents might just have to, like, pick their battles, right? If they pick the wrong battle, they can end up losing very, very hard. So they, they do get some added benefit the more of these foretell cards we get to play. And having another playable one like this and such a powerful one, maybe the strongest foretell card, if we're being honest, uh, I, I think it's just it's, it's going to be a pain in a lot of people's sides. It's going to lead to a lot of really cool stories, too. So Yeah. <laughs> What's your last card, Allie? Alright, my last card is uh, Fjurja's Retribution. We have one white, white, black. Another Saga, because I love them. First chapters create a 4-4 white angel warrior. Creature token, flying vigilance. Chapter 2 is until end of turn. Angels you control, gain, tap, destroy, target creature with power. Less than this creature's power. And uh, chapter three is angels you control gain double strike until end of turn. And as soon as I saw this, I wanted to flicker it with Yorion. And uh, I, I mean, like, even without that, this card just seems really powerful, right? Like, it's four mana, you make a four four with flying and vigilance. And then, so you're starting off proactive, and then the next turn, it can be more of like a reactive thing, and you get to destroy a creature with it. So I think it does a good job um, kind of shifting stuff. If we're looking at like the Yorian decks, which are mostly reactive, this feels like it truly gives it like a good card to like supplement with something else to not only be reactive, but also have a kind of like proactive element to it by making these uh, angels. And then you can just do that multiple times and flicker it or or sacrifice it for to doom foretold and that's fine too yeah i think this card is just like pretty strong just like it's kind of hard to not say that right like it's just kind of good on rate or whatever um 
And I think they've printed a lot of good angels early in the curve that maybe not a Yorion deck would want, but like other decks might want alongside this. Like Resplendent Marshall comes to mind, right? And maybe that won't do very much on a given board. But when you get that second chapter ticking up and you're starting to kill stuff, I, I could see this card really crushing it. So and, that, and that's like assuming that the Yorion or half of the card isn't worth arguing for, right? Which I, I think it is. I think it's very easy to set up having two four fours out of this. And the first time around, your 4-4 four, four kills something. And the second time around, your 2-4-4s four, clear the board, most likely, right? I think that's a, that's a big thing to overcome for the opponents. Um, so, yeah. And there's Jorion decks that got 80 cards. They got to put something in there, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is good. Yeah, I like this card a lot. I think this card is going to be absurd and limited, but... Uh, yeah. This limited format seems wild. Just really, yeah. really crazy. Outside the part where we have to draft snow basics. Boo. Don't like Boo. it. Boo. All right. Well, Allie, what a fun time here today. Are you excited to play with this set more so now? Yeah, I am. I didn't really, I, I don't really look at spoilers until we get like close to these kind of things. So mm -hmm. I am definitely excited for a lot of these cards. Exciting times. Well, if someone wants to watch you play these cards, most likely a week from the time they're hearing this, where can that be? Oh, are you in the early access streamer thing? Have they announced that? Can you say that yet? Where where are we at with that? That's, um, that's I, I did, yeah, I did just go on to stream elements and apply for it because I figured out I'm still in the creator program, I guess. So, oh. uh, yeah, I should be doing that next Wednesday. Perfect. On twitch.tv slash mythic underscore mevo. Perfect, perfect. And you stream each morning-ish time, right? Like 10 to 4 or whatever? 10 to 3? Yeah, 10 to 3 or 4. Word. All right, cool, cool, cool. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. You can find Allie there, and you can find me uh, each every week at Card Kingdom alongside Allie writing about stuff and at twitter.com at Mason E. Clark. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you all next week for our first impressions of Kaldheim in Standard and Historic. <laughs>